Baker Tilly is getting $26,000 for the recruitment. Clearly, Canfield wanted to put a candidate through a lie detector test. Did Baker Tilly push back and say no? Hell no. Like whores wanting to satisfy their John, they rolled over and said, do whatever you want. I'm Joe Turner, and this is City Manager Unfiltered, a podcast by City Manager for City Managers and other public sector executives. And I'm coming at you from Wichita, Kansas, the air capital of the world. But did you know Pizza Hut, the famous pizza chain that I know you've eaten at at least once in your life, was born right here in Wichita? It sure was by two brothers who were attending Wichita State University. They started a little pizza shop called Pizza Hut. It took off like gangbusters and became one of the largest franchises in the world, born right here in Wichita. In fact, you can go on to the Wichita State University campus. Uh, they have a museum dedicated to Pizza Hut. It's essentially the original building that they operated out of. And you can take a picture with their first mascot, Pizza Pete. Pizza Pete. So if you're ever in town, you like pizza, you're a Pizza Hut fan, don't forget to check out the uh, Pizza Hut Museum at the WSU campus, all right? We are in episode nine of this podcast, and we are going to talk about public sector executive recruiters. Who holds them accountable? Who holds them accountable in the context of the city manager, city management professionals, public sector executives? Who holds them accountable for how they treat us, how they interact with us? And we need to discuss this in more detail. This is a follow-up episode to the one two weeks ago about Canfield, Ohio. And that's where Baker Tilly was doing the recruitment for the city manager position there. And in some newspaper articles, I read that the finalist was subjected to a computerized voice stress analysis test, CVSA. And that is pseudoscientific quackery. It's similar to like the polygraph lie detector test. They're not accurate. They're not reliable. Why are we allowing a recruiter in a city like Canfield, Ohio, to subject a finalist to a lie detector test. Do we not have any say in this as professionals? Do do we not have anybody advocating for us as city managers, as county managers? Why is this being tolerated? And so I want to talk about who holds public sector executive recruiters accountable, and I want to flesh that in more detail in this episode. But before we do that, I want to take care of some housekeeping items. First and foremost, I'm proud to announce that it only took the podcast six weeks to get 100 ratings and reviews. As of this recording, we are now at 105 total ratings, and we're only eight episodes in. I'm just absolutely blown away by this. To give you some context, to put this into perspective, the ELGL GovLove podcast has been out for years, has nearly 600 episodes. They only have 207 ratings. So in six weeks... We have more than half the ratings they have, and they've been doing this for years, 600 episodes. This podcast is growing each week. Each week, the numbers are getting bigger and bigger, and I want to thank you for the love and support because it's been a phenomenal ride. If you've not given the podcast a rating and a review yet, please consider doing so. I put a lot of work into these episodes and would greatly appreciate it. I've talked about this being our podcast, and I've told you all that I want to support other managers and public sector executives who are putting themselves out there. We can't have a zero-sum mindset. We have a mindset of abundance. We have to have a mindset that when we're doing well, 
We want to lift up others and help them succeed in what they're trying to work on. I'm having incredible success with this podcast. It makes no sense for me to just focus on myself and not worry about anybody else. We need more voices in the public sector space, whether I agree with them or not. We need more diverse opinions. We need diverse perspectives. And so I want to make sure that I'm doing my best to give a platform, a shine, a support, publicity for other individuals in the public sector who are putting themselves out there to try to bring their voice to the forefront. And so with all that said, I want to give a shout out to a handful of individuals and invite you to support them and their work. First, we have Brandon Holland. He is a city manager in Bisco, North Carolina. He's the host of the Lead Well podcast. He primarily discusses leadership and personal development topics. He was gracious enough to invite me onto his podcast recently, and we discussed a variety of issues. It's out now. It's available for you to watch. Thank you very much, Brandon. I appreciate the support. want to give you a shout out and let people know to check out your podcast. Uh, next, we have Nicholas Tietzort. He is the Director of Emergency Management for Cole County in Missouri. He has a podcast called Starts Local, Ends Local, and it's focused on emergency management-related topics. Finally, we have Sean Glavin, who is a private sector leader in the human resources space. He is the co-founder and founder of both the New Jersey and Boston Human Resources Councils. He is the co-host of a podcast called Why People, W-H-Y People. The podcast focuses on human resources issues in both the private and public sectors. And I want to invite you all to check that out. So there you go. Three podcasts to check out. I will have links to them in the show notes. One final comment about these three gentlemen. It takes a lot of courage to start a podcast and put yourself out there like they are doing, okay? And we need more voices in the public sector space. So please take a moment to give their pods a listen and support them. If you like their podcast, give them five stars. Send them a note. This week, I stumbled upon a second-degree connection on LinkedIn who has published a book on ChatGPT for public administrators. Kind of blew me away. His name is Dylan Hayden, and his book is called The Public Administrator's Guide to ChatGPT. I will provide a link to it, uh, to his book in the show notes as well. I want to say congratulations to him on this personal accomplishment. And uh, Dylan, I wish you success with the book. Okay, good luck. Uh, speaking of ChatGPT, time to give you all an update on what Micah Gaudet's been working on. This guy is an animal. He sent me a slide deck and an outline of the course that he's basically putting the finishing touches on. And you're going to be blown away. It's just, it's wow. There's a lot of stuff there. He's in the process, I think, of either starting to record already or going to start recording soon. I think he's going to try to have this thing done by the end of August, if not sooner. Uh, I will keep you updated on that. But again, the Micah Gaudet Public Sector GPT course, it's, it's progressing, okay? You're going to be impressed. One more final piece of business before we get to the heart of the episode. This past weekend, I lined up some guests for future episodes. And oh man, do I have a murderer's row of interesting people and stories for you. Nothing but bangers in the weeks ahead. Okay, check this out. I've got Daniel Rosemond. This, uh, he's slated for next week's episode. He's the author of Death of the Public Servant. In his book, he recounts how he was wrongfully terminated in Hallandale Beach. Florida and successfully won a multi-million dollar lawsuit at a jury trial. We're going to go in and talk about all the stuff. It's going to blow your mind. I anticipate that this will be a multi-part podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. I've heard nothing but great reviews about his book. Uh, I thought his book was phenomenal and people have told me that they were enjoying it too. Okay. So that's going to be on tap for us. 
I've had ongoing communications with Michael Rogers. He moved to California from Texas to pursue his first city manager gig and got screwed over in the city of Tracy. Tracy churns and burns their city managers and Rogers got caught in that dumpster fire. We're going to talk about uh, his perspective, his experience, and his lessons learned. I've been talking to Troy Body. He's the only black city manager in the state of Kentucky. He's going to come on the show. We talked for about an hour this weekend. Man, he is... He's, he's a character, and I think that's going to be a phenomenal episode as well. But it doesn't end there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to get Port Huron City Manager James Freed on this podcast. We're just trying to work out some of the legal clearances. You know how attorneys be, but we're going to get him on the show, and we're going to blow the lid off all the shenanigans going on with the ICMA. You're going to be shocked and disgusted by what you learn about this case, and you better damn believe I'm trying to get this thing done before the convention or maybe even at the convention. We are going to get this done. Come hell or high water. He needs to get on the show. We're going to have him on the show. You guys need to know what's going on with the ICMA. There's just a lot of stuff that you guys don't know. And trust me when I say this, the revelations that come out of this case are going to rock the profession. Man, I am jacked up just thinking about uh, having James on the show and these other guests. It's going to be a phenomenal next several weeks on this podcast, okay? So don't miss. Tell your friends. Tell your peers. Check out the City Manager Unfiltered podcast because we're bringing bangers, man. We're bringing nothing but bangers, and we're blowing this up. So, all right, let's turn our attention now to the public sector executive recruiters. This is an issue I've planned to talk about for quite a long time, since before I even started the podcast. However, recent developments in the Canfield, Ohio, City Manager recruitment being conducted by Baker Tilly have pushed this topic to the front of the line. So we're going to talk about Baker Tilly and Canfield, but please make no mistake, this podcast is about the entire public sector executive recruitment industry. Back in September or October, when I only had a few hundred followers, it was early in the game, I posted something about pet peeves related to recruiters and the recruitment process. I was kind of taken aback by the messages and feedback I'd received from that post. I had people telling me that they would not apply for any position being run by such and such recruitment company or such and such recruiter. I never say anything publicly at the time for a variety of reasons, but the recruitment firm that I got the most complaints about, the most negative feedback, hands down, was Baker Tilly. I had not had any experience with Baker Tilly, and I chalked it up primarily to them being one of the biggest names, the largest names in the space, and figured they would have, naturally, some of the more disgruntled former candidates just by virtue of the fact that they had more recruitments and you can't do everything right. You can't make everything happy. I mean, none of us are perfect. I dropped the ball in my own personal life. I'm sure I have conversations on LinkedIn and email where I've not followed up in a timely manner or I forgot to follow up. I mean, it it happens and I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. But people were adamant that they would not apply for any Baker Tilly recruitments. And at the time, this seemed to be a little draconian, a little extreme, a little bit of overreaction. And I was like, man, you're really not going to apply for a Baker Tilly position, even if you really like that city or you're really intrigued by that job or that opportunity. It just seemed a bit a bit much. But, you know, after watching what's gone on in Canfield, I've done a reevaluation of my feelings on that matter. It's a little bit of a different context, but I'm not happy with uh, Baker Tilly. And I don't really think we should be rewarding them with our business. And, you know, without candidates, they can't fill positions. Right. So over the last several months, I received sporadic messages from followers with negative feedback about recruiters and recruitment firms. I've had some pretty wild and explosive allegations that were made. These claims were he said, she said type, and I can't run with a he said, she said claim 
if the people who are giving me this information aren't comfortable going on the record and stating it publicly, right? Uh, otherwise, I'm just, you know, carrying one side of the story, and that makes it very difficult. But when multiple people are giving me stories about uh, different recruiters, I don't mean uh, the same recruiter with the same allegations or anything like that, but when you're getting uh, multiple allegations about uh, or multiple um, complaints about recruiters, you start to get dialed into maybe there's a trend here. By now, just about everyone knows that I'm an outspoken, opinionated person, and I'm not afraid to touch third rail taboo topics. There are many downsides to being an outspoken person. <laughs> Make no mistake, my LinkedIn posts and podcasts will automatically eliminate me from future job opportunities in some places. There's going to be city councils out there that fear hiring me. They're going to be concerned I'm a loose cannon. They're going to wonder what I'm going to say next. Am I some sort of liability? Will he you know, light up? Uh, the governing body here if we hire him and things go south. Do you think I've done myself any favors on any future Baker Tilly recruitments? Uh, they are one of the largest players in the public sector executive recruitment space, and I'm putting them on blast because I'm unhappy with what's going on in Canfield. You know, do you think I'm going to be treated the same as any other candidate or get the benefit of the doubt? I mean, it's theoretically possible, but would you bet money on it? I'm not. You know, nobody listening to this podcast is naive enough to think that there won't be any negative consequences for me as a result of calling out Baker Tilly. You know how I know this? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let me flip the script a little bit. How often do you see a public sector executive publicly criticize a recruiter or call them out in public? I've never seen it happen, uh, to my knowledge. People are afraid of the negative repercussions that come with calling out a recruiter and how it might impact their career or their future job prospects. Hell, for all I know, other recruiters and recruitment companies might give me the short end of the stick as a sign of solidarity, too. I, I honestly have no idea how this is all going to shake out and what the future consequences are going to be of me going down this line of uh, questioning of Baker Tilly. Do you think my criticisms of ICMA and ELGL have done me any favors when looking for a job, especially uh, as an assistant city manager position? You think a, a lot of managers who have an ICMA CM designation next to their name and think highly of the organization are going to hire someone who is asking sharp questions and who is publicly critical of the organization? I mean, nobody's out there criticizing the ICMA like I am. So I'm pretty confident that there are many city managers out there who would not touch me with a 10-foot pole. There are real negative consequences I brought upon myself because I have decided, perhaps stupidly, to publicly speak out and question things that are happening in this profession that nobody else is apparently comfortable questioning openly in public themselves. I mean, I look at some of the things that are going on. I'm like, man, am I the only one that sees how crazy this is? Why isn't anybody else saying anything about what is going on in our profession and how we're being treated? I feel like <laughs> I feel like city managers in the city management profession are being treated like the redheaded you know, stepchild. And we're just sitting there taking it and no one's actually having the, the courage to speak up and ask these questions. It boggles my mind. I've lost several hundred followers and connections over the past week or so. I get the one-star ratings. I'm taking the hits. I knew this would happen. I'm a big boy. I can take it. It's okay, so I don't need you to cry for me. I will deal with these consequences and let the chips fall where they may. The flip side is that many people respond strongly to my candor, my courage, my authenticity. Um, I've had a lot of interesting people reach out and, uh, and give me some kudos and some praise and uh, some support. Uh, recently, and I'm very appreciative of it. But you know, what people tell me and share with me privately is markedly different than what the public comments that are posted are conveying. Okay. When I raise a flag, people feel comfortable. They share things with me that they can't share in public or even with their peers. 
So there's nothing new for me here. I've experienced this dichotomy throughout my life, going back to high school when I was writing opinion pieces for the high school newspaper. You know, I have a tendency to say things out loud that people are thinking in privately and don't feel comfortable sharing. And so I get blasted publicly and I take the hits. But behind the scenes, I have a lot of people who are uh, reaffirming that I'm right, that I'm correct, or that they support me. And, and that's what motivates me. And that's why I continue to kind of do what I do. So uh, when it comes to the recruiters now, people have shared their frustrations and aggravations with me. The most common complaint is poor communication and getting ghosted. And I've experienced this too, to be honest. Uh, not very much, but I've experienced it. It's such an infuriating thing because it really requires minimal effort to keep candidates in the loop on how the recruitment process is unfolding. You're getting paid $25,000 plus to do this recruitment and you can't send out emails to 30 people or less, you know what I mean? To say, hey, this is where we're at in the process. You're no longer being considered, so forth and so on. I mean, it's, it's insulting, right? And it's especially irritating because many of these recruiters were actually once managers themselves. So it's like, come on, man. Why aren't, why aren't you getting in touch? Why aren't, you, why aren't you communicating to us and letting us know what's going on? It's just such a simple, infuriating thing, and it just drives us all crazy. And I don't know, man. It's just so many recruiters are bad at it. And it's like, you know, you get recruiters that are actually good at it, and you're like, holy crap. Like, wait, this, the, the recruiter-candidate relationship can be like this? It kind of reminds me of when I got out of my first relationship, a terrible relationship, and then I met someone new, and I was like, oh, wow. So this is what relationships can be like? They can actually be not dysfunctional. There can be uh, no drama, you know, all, all this turmoil all the time and chaos. You can actually just have a really, you know, chill time with somebody. Wow, that's amazing. Why can't we get that with these recruiters? Uh, just, you know, basic communication. You know, I've been told that some recruiters have behaved uh, unethically and helped a friend get a job over other candidates or given them other forms of preferential treatment during the recruitment process. I can't speak to that personally, but, you know, when you have recruiters, who used to be city managers and they have friends who are applying for jobs, it does open up the question, you know, are these recruiters di disclosing this information? Are they giving preferential treatment to friends and colleagues and peers they used to work with? I don't know. Like I said, I, I can't chalk it up to my, any, my personal experiences. This is just what I'm hearing. I've been told that such and such recruiters have uttered uh, racist or misogynistic uh, things. That's, that's, a, that's a crazy touchy subject. Again, if someone tells me this off the record, what am I supposed to do with it? There's not much I can, okay? But this is what I'm being told. And the list goes on and on. And so this brings me back to Canfield, Ohio, and the Baker Tilly recruitment. They allowed a city manager finalist to be subjected to a lie detector test. The candidate was given a computerized voice stress analysis, and like a polygraph test, it will supposedly detect when a candidate is lying. A line was crossed here, and I do not believe we can or should roll over and allow this to be ignored and swept under the rug. Again, I'm not trying to have an adversarial relationship with Baker Tilly. I'm not trying to be on the bad side of one of the largest recruiters in the public rec uh, sector recruitment space. I'm not. But this is unacceptable to me, and it should be unacceptable to everyone else. Just because we are not your paying customer, it does not mean that you get to dictate what is going to happen in the recruitment process, and we have no say, and we have no ability to fight back. I firmly believe this, and we need to come together, we need to act in solidarity as city managers, and we need to basically join forces and say, hey, this is enough, we're not going to tolerate this. So, who is going to hold Baker Tilly and other executive recruiters accountable for how they treat or mistreat city managers? 
Who's going to hold them accountable for how they allow the recruitment process to get perverted and corrupted such that it places a professional manager in a precarious or unfair position? Baker Tilly allowed a city manager finalist to be subjected to the quack test of a CVSA computerized voice stress analysis. And what came of it? The Canfield police chief, this clown, Chuck Colucci, he goes out and smears the reputation of the candidate in the paper. He says... Oh, by the way, and he's named, named this candidate. He says, quote, we gave him a computerized voice stress analysis and did a background check. Those tests determined he was not the best match for the city at this time, end quote. Colucci is misleading the public and tarnishing the reputation of the candidate when he states the, quote, tests determined he was not the best match for the city. The tests are quack science, okay? They are fallible. But he wants to suggest to the public that the test is 100% accurate and that the candidate failed the test. But he didn't just fail any test. This wasn't a math test. This wasn't an Excel aptitude test. This was a test designed to measure the honesty and truthfulness of the candidate. So Clown Colucci is telling everyone who's listening and reading this paper that the candidate lied and cannot be trusted. It's disgusting and reprehensible and it should never happen. But apparently I'm the only one that wants to talk about it. Has the Ohio City-County Management Association come out and condemned this test or rebuked Baker Tilly? I haven't heard anything. Has the ICMA come out and condemned this on behalf of the profession? Of course not. The ICMA sees nothing, says nothing, does nothing. Has Baker Tilly made any public statements? Nope. Oh, but you best believe I've tried to get a response from them. Let's go over this timeline. So on Monday, July 10th, I posted for the first time about this matter on my LinkedIn page. I tagged Baker Tilly Executive Recruitment uh, on the LinkedIn post, and I also tagged Patty Himenover, okay, the recruiter handling the recruitment for Canfield. No response from Baker Tilly, no response from Patty. On Wednesday, July 12th, I dropped my podcast episode calling Baker Tilly out and demanding that they release a statement and terminate their contract with Canfield. I also posted on my personal LinkedIn page and the podcast LinkedIn page announcing the episode and tagged Baker Tilly. No response. On Thursday, July 13th, I sent an email to Ann Lewis and Nancy Hetrick. I'm going to read you my email. My email reads as follows. Hello, Ann and Nancy. I'm extremely concerned about how the Canfield, Ohio City Manager search has progressed. I'm not sure if you or anyone else at Baker Tilly is aware of my recent podcast episode or post on LinkedIn where I've outlined my concerns. It is completely unacceptable for a city manager candidate to be given a lie detector test like a polygraph or a computerized voice stress analysis. Nothing of the sort was mentioned in the announcement brochure. News articles stated that Baker Tilly was doing the background check. I would like your firm to, one, issue a public statement clarifying the firm's role in conducting the background check and whether it facilitated or knew the test would be administered. Two, if the firm was involved, an apology should be issued and the firm should make it clear they will never participate in recruitments where those tests are administered. And three, terminate the contract and remove itself from the Canfield recruitment. Thank you for your consideration and attention to this matter. I did not get a response from either of these ladies. On Monday, July 17th, I called Himanover, Lewis, and Hetrick. My calls went to voicemail and I left a message stating my concerns and requested a call back. Once again, no response. On Wednesday, July 19th, I called the three once again and left voicemails, reiterating my concerns and requesting a call back. I also immediately followed up with an email to all three of the ladies, and I will read that email here. 
I said, hello, ladies. I'm trying to get a better understanding of the Canfield, Ohio recruitment and the use of a, quote, lie detector test. Why was a city manager candidate subjected to that type of testing? I have posted about this on my LinkedIn page and tagged Baker Tilly and Patty. I released a podcast episode last week. I subsequently followed it up with an email below last week, and I've now left all three of you voicemail messages today and also back on the 17th. No response has been received. Do any of you care to respond or speak to me about this matter? Thank you. Of course, no response from any of them or Baker Tilly. Now, I'm sure they believe they don't owe me an explanation. I mean, who the hell am I to think that I'm entitled to a response or to issue demands upon their company? Honestly and objectively, if I was in their shoes, I probably would have ignored the rantings of one loudmouth on the internet too. But you guys got to understand, I'm not really built to let things slide like this. If I knock on your door and I have some questions for you, I expect an answer. If you don't even answer the door, it really pisses me off. What it triggers in my brain is a reflexive response. Oh, you don't hear me, eh? Well, let me make sure you do hear me. And then I start ramping up the pressure, like with this podcast episode and some other ideas I have up my sleeve. I start digging into my old box of tricks. Should I make contact with a candidate that they interviewed and get his version of the events that transpired? Should I put in some public information requests for emails and other communications between Baker Tilly, Chief Colucci, the governing body, and the candidates? Should I reach out to a labor lawyer in Ohio to see if any laws were broken or perhaps see if the candidate can sue the city of Baker, the city or Baker Tilly for damages to his reputation? I catch nearly all the city manager separations due to my massive news scans. Should I start proactively contacting HR directors and city council members uh, of these future recruitments to bash Baker Tilly and try to ruin their chances of getting their next recruitment? My brain starts grinding. That's how I'm built. I grind and I grind and I grind. As I see it, there are four forces or mechanisms that have the potential of holding executive recruiters like Baker Tilly accountable. Okay, we're going to examine them below. Force or factor number one. The first one would be the natural forces of the marketplace and themselves, the recruiters. Okay, to me, it seems like a new recruitment company is entering the space each month. I mean, there's so many out there. There's so many new players. I think this is a result of the entrepreneurs looking at the market and seeing gaps or niches they believe they can exploit or fill by entering. These new players either believe the existing players like Baker Tilly are not adequately meeting the current demand in the market and or believe that they can outperform these other players on other issues and create a competitive advantage. For example, on customer service and communication or on price points. I've heard good things about upstarts and other players that have maybe branched out into the executive recruitment field. For example, we have Columbia LTD, Clear Career Professionals, Sumter Consulting, uh, Trepepe Smith. And I think their calculus of the market is correct. I regularly read stories about how HR directors cannot get such and such recruitment firms to compete for the vacancies because they do not have the staff to handle the additional work. But I'm still not seeing the big boys in the field adjust their behavior or react to the increasing number of participants or competition. Clearly, the forces of the marketplace are not effectuating change fast enough or else I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Force or factor number two. The second force would be the city councils and HR directors. These are the paying customers for the recruiters. Clearly, they have the most potential to exert the greatest leverage and force behavioral changes on the part of the recruiters. The recruiters need these contracts to stay in business. But so far, that is not happening. In fact, I would argue it's the reverse effect. Take Canfield again. Baker Tilly is getting $26,000 for the recruitment. Clearly, Canfield wanted to put a candidate through a lie detector test. Did Baker Tilly push back and say no? Hell no. 
like whores wanting to satisfy their John, they rolled over and said, do whatever you want. Is there anything a recruiter won't do if asked by their paying customer? It pisses me off. If we can get city councils and HR directors on board, we can start effectuating change. But these individuals are not even aware a problem exists. When was the last time you as a candidate were ever contacted by a city council member, a mayor, or a human resources director to ask you about your experience with the recruiter and the recruitment process you went through? It has never happened to me. Never. Has it happened to you? When government agencies and HR departments are choosing an executive recruiter, the candidate is a non-factor. They're not an issue. They're not, they're not even considered in the process. Nobody seeks out our opinions or our perspectives. The closest we come to being considered is when I've seen RFP language that states that the recruiter will communicate in a timely fashion with the candidates. But there's zero accountability or follow-up on, uh, on this issue, right? I mean, no one's following up and make sure that that's done. So what do they consider? They consider things like, has a recruiter done any recruitments in their state before? Has the recruiter done any recruitments for cities in their region? Has the recruiter recruited for us before? And if so, how did that go? They might call other council members and HR directors to get their feedback about the specific recruiters to gauge their experiences. But again, there's no place in the process where a city manager or the candidates are consulted. Nobody's advocating for us, the professional, and speaking out on our behalf during the recruitment process. If you are a city manager candidate and you do not like how you were treated or you feel like a recruiter engaged in some unethical conduct, who are you going to complain to? You're going to complain to the city council that just hired somebody else? They don't give a damn about you and your, and your whining. <laughs> they're busy. They've, they're moving on with their new manager. Th th they've closed the book. They don't care about that anymore. They paid the vendor. They're moving on. Maybe three, four, five, seven years down the road when they're looking to do another recruitment they're going to think about it again, but you're not going to be around to complain. They're not, they're not going to care about your complaints. You're going to complain to the HR director? What is that going to accomplish? Same deal. You sure as hell aren't going to light up the recruiter in an email and taint your future prospects with that firm or light them up publicly. I've yet to see anybody really light up a recruiter publicly. So then you got force or factor number three. Did you notice I left someone or something out of that previous rant? Okay, and force factor number two. Uh, did you notice I didn't talk about the ICMA? Okay, let's talk about force number three, and that is the ICMA. Why isn't the ICMA fighting on behalf of and representing the members it was originally created and founded for the express purpose of helping? When was the last time, if ever, the ICMA sent out a questionnaire to members asking them to rate, review, and provide feedback about the recruitment firms that handle their careers? That wasn't a statement. It was a legitimate question because I genuinely have no idea and I'm curious to know if they have ever done something like that. If they haven't ever done one of those or they haven't done one in many years, they should be ashamed and embarrassed for themselves. Okay, And you, the manager and ICMA member reading this, should be asking some hard questions about why the only organization that exists for city managers does not seem to care about addressing issues that directly impact the lives of city managers. Why is the ICMA so reluctant to engage and fight on behalf of managers? Are they afraid of losing the $400 to $650 listing fee each recruiter pays them to advertise on their job board? Time and time again, I look at the ICMA and its relationship orientation towards city managers and I see the following. Hypocrisy when there should be alignment and congruency. Hostility when there should be support. Abandonment when there should be advocacy. Am I wrong? I, I don't think I am. Now that brings us to the final force or factor that I believe can hold recruiters accountable. And that's me and you. We are force factor number four, okay? Me and you. Are we going to stand up 
stand together, demand accountability of the recruiters, and force changes? I'm just one person. I'm one voice. Outside of some supportive comments on my LinkedIn post, I've not really seen anyone else call out Baker Tilly. I've yet to see any other manager take any other recruiter to task and publicly express their frustration with how they were treated during their recruitment process. I've gotten emails about it. I've seen the complaints. Haven't seen any public criticisms. A city manager on an island to him or herself is not effective. There must be a concerted effort to act in solidarity if we ever hope to effectuate real substantive change on this front. There's only so much I can do. I have a LinkedIn page and a podcast, and I'm working on putting a few other tricks up my sleeves, but I'm not an ICMA member. I do not belong to my state ICMA chapter, but many of you do. You have the power to start communicating in mass and coordinating an effort amongst yourselves to bring about change. Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you having these conversations? I bet there isn't one person who listened to my previous podcast about Baker Tilly and Canfield who actually contacted Baker Tilly and expressed their displeasure. I hope I'm wrong, but am I? I bet there isn't one city manager that went out and spoke to their HR director and instructed them to eliminate Baker Tilly from any future consideration unless or until they issue a public statement and promise that candidates would not be subjected to a lie detector test in the future. Am I wrong? I hope I am, but I doubt it. How many ICMA members listening to this podcast are going to reach out to the ICMA to express their frustration or displeasure with Baker Tilly? How many of you are going to go do an email blast on the state listserv announcing that you are no longer going to work with Baker Tilly or even attempt to coordinate an effort with your peers to boycott Baker Tilly? Will anyone stand up and say anything besides me? Does anyone really even care about this issue? Am I the only one? Am I just some crazy, mentally ill homeless dude downtown ranting on the sidewalk where you just walk by and ignore me? Maybe you give me a little smirk or a smile or you just you know ignore or turn your head. Maybe I'm that dude. I don't know. Maybe I'm out on an island by myself and I'm the only one ranting about an issue that nobody else cares about. Could be. But change does not occur through wishful thinking. Change requires action. Is anyone listening to this podcast prepared to act? I've been kicking around an idea to build a website that would allow municipal executives like you and me the opportunity to leave ratings and reviews of recruiters and recruitment firms. Think of this as being like a Yelp for recruiters. My thoughts are that it would give city managers the opportunity to leave anonymous ratings and reviews, which we could then publicize the page so the city councils and HR directors who are looking at future recruiters for future vacancies can read the reviews from these public sector executives and make a decision. If Baker Tilly got dragged in its reviews and candidates were emphatically stating that they would not apply for any city manager vacancy that was being led by that recruitment firm, maybe they would start losing business. Maybe they would learn that we, the candidates, deserve to have a seat at the table and a voice in how these recruitments are held. Maybe that would result in Baker Tilly and other recruiters providing better customer service, providing more candidate-centric uh, responses and behavior to these questions that are popping up. There should not be a lie detector test. There should not be a computerized voice analysis test, any of this stuff going on. But what's going to stop that from happening? If the cities are asking for it and all the recruiters are saying, sure, if you pay us, we'll do it. Are we going to fight back? In episode one of the podcast, I talked about how city managers and public sector executives need an advocate for them to represent them as an individual, a professional, not the profession, but you as the individual professional, you need an advocate. I wasn't just paying lip service to the idea. I meant it, okay? So I'm really serious about this idea of building a review site for the recruiters. I already have a domain name purchased. I would just need to go through the effort of creating the site and, and doing all that stuff. Um, but I don't know if anyone's going to participate or not. 
So let me know your thoughts on creating a website to create a rating and reviews for these recruiters so we can try to push back and hold them accountable for how we're being treated. Because right now we do not have a voice. No one is speaking up for us. The ICMA is not speaking up for us. The state ICMA chapters are not speaking up for us. Obviously the recruiters aren't doing anything and the governing bodies, what are they going to do? They're not involved. And so the recruiters are only going to respond to that, which helps them or hurts them financially. If the cities are saying, Hey, here's this $26,000 carrot. We want you to do the recruitment this way. And there's nobody else pushing back. They're going to do it. If we can consolidate our voices, right? If we can coordinate our actions and stand up and speak out and say, Hey, we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to participate in these type of recruitments. Maybe just maybe we can push back and get some progress that that benefits us, right? That doesn't lead to actions that might hurt our reputation, that might end up getting us smeared in the local newspaper, like what happened to this candidate in Canfield. Okay, so let me know your thoughts on creating a website to rate and review the recruiting companies. I would really appreciate it. And hey, man, we got to stand up. We got to exercise our voice. You know, a lot of people say, oh, city managers need to talk truth to power. How many of you are talking truth to power, right? When it comes to the organization that represents us and when it comes to the recruitment companies that get us hired and get us new jobs, how many are taking that risk? I'm Joe Turner. I'm the host of City Manager Unfiltered, a podcast by a city manager for city managers and other public sector executives. Hit that follow button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you like what you're hearing and catch you next time.